I just wanted to waste the full two minutes to play the Nick Arcade theme, mostly because it's a really cool theme song. I I can't like clip it or fade out it. It's just really really good. I love this show so much. It's one of those video game shows I wish I could talk about more often, but I can't because game shows I suppose has come to an end. I'm ending the podcast. I was thinking maybe add more episodes January February, but I'm still my head's not in it. So I'm just gonna keep blabbering on Patreon as these exclusive episodes. Uh, until someone says, actually, just put it in January. Just do, like, two a month. We'll be fine. Because then I don't believe you. And I would say, like, okay, that makes sense. So, today's episode of the Game Shows, I suppose, Extras, because you're a Patreon donor, and I appreciate you so much that I'm putting this out for you, is the Nick Arcade, the Nickelodeon Arcade episode. Nick Arcade is, to some, their favorite game show. Uh, on Nickelodeon, which would be weird when you consider things like Guts and Double Dare exist. However, if you were a nerdy guy like me, who may or may not be working at G4 soon, I applied, most likely got rejected. Who knows? So the show is very interesting. Nick Arcade debuted in 1992 when video games were kind of in that second resurgence. We're talking Super Nintendo and Genesis and kind of 3DO and all these other weird consoles that no one really wants to remember. However, Nick Arcade was technologically one of the most advanced game shows ever developed, uh, mostly because of not just the blue screen technology that would go into the bonus round, the technology that would go into the video puzzles, even controlling Mikey was new technology at the time. When you consider everything was a slideshow projector or a computer, like if it's a computer typing in words, this was ahead of the game. And for everyone else, they look at it and they go, that's, that's all it was. That's the technology. Yeah. The technology was computerized. Everything was technologically advanced on Nick Arcade, a show where it's mostly Phil Moore standing behind a fake arcade cabinet, pointing at it, going, Move, Mikey! Go on, move right, move left, going up, going down. Yo, Andrea, what's the prize? That's that's Nick Arcade. The show was created by two people, Kara Meadith and James Bethea. Now, James, it, you might not know who he is, and, you know, that's fine. But James Bethea was, at one point, the director of programming at UPN. Uh, he developed and created uh, the Spin the Bottle franchise, and in doing so, uh, he also created two plays starring Michael Malley, and he uh, appeared in John Favreau's Iron Man franchise, the first two movies, uh, playing a, a military security guard, uh, mostly out of friendship uh, w- with John Favreau. When uh, James went to college, he majored in film and communications with a minor in computer science, which I think played a huge role in the technology that came into Nick Arcade. So Nickelodeon Arcade, when they first did their pilot, was, I'm just going to say this just to be nice, a total garbage shit show. It's up online. You can watch it right now as we speak. You just Google it, search it, whatever. If you find it, it's it's a wreck. They got. They didn't get Phil Moore to host it. They got like some weird guy to do it, and it just. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Niels Niels Sherman's, who I don't know what he. I think he worked at Nickelodeon in like the ad agency or something, and this was kind of just like a test to play it. But oh god, so you it was like it, they filmed it at the Get the Picture set. It felt really off. The games were slower. Everything was not as as speed up. And uh, the only thing that was uh, interesting was the uh, video challenge changed, where it was seven challenges instead of five. And fun fact about Nick Arcade is that they never really did first-party titles for Nintendo. Whenever there was a Super Nintendo, it was always a third-party title because it's easier to get the license from than getting, like, Mario Kart or something. So they played Super Mario Brothers 3, I think, in this, probably as a nod to The Wizard at the time. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there as a hunch. That's not even, like, a factoid. I just think they picked Mario Brothers 3 because 
popular game at the time. The Wizard is popular. Video games are popular. Anyway, it was a total train wreck, but yet it proved to be popular because it wasn't like Double Dare, but it wasn't like Guts. It, it felt like a, to a different degree of all the other game shows because it was a trivia show at sometimes, yes, but it was more visual puzzles, which was unique at the time, and it was also video games. So it was not necessarily what you see with a normal game show where it's quit questions or a physical skill game. None of that. No, what you're going to get is go right. Here's bonus points. Go up. Well, here's a question. Go right. Oh, no, it's the bully. You lose your turn. Go to the next player. Go down. Well, it's the video challenge. How many points would you want to wager? You need to get 1,000 on. That's what made Nick Elodian Arcade work. They changed the set to mirror that of a modern arcade. And even though in the original it felt like a boring premise and da 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 da, they tried to video gamify it so much. There's little LED lights in the background that when you ring in and buzz in, the lights spring to life. The monitors uh, would display the score instead of just like a vein display or egg crate like other Nickelodeon game shows or game shows at the time. It was all monitors. Everything is ahead of the curve technologically. And they decided to go and, and just go into it with the premise of the game Wizards. So now the whole premise is kind of like the beat the evil video game Wizards and be a real video game hero because whoever wins the first half of the show goes on to that bonus round where they're a literal video game character trying to stop the game wizard to win the grand prize. Now, we just played the theme song to Nickelodeon Arcade, but I just want to just for the ever. I, I, I think it's one of the coolest introductions in the world of game shows because it really sets the stage to the kind of weird, quirky video game adventure you're about to get into. So... Forgive me, I'm about to play announcer karaoke with the opening spiel to Nickelodeon Arcade. Behind this door is the Video Zone, a place between our world and the video dimension. Waiting to challenge you for control, the Video Zone is one of three game wizards. Is it Murloc, Scorsia, or Mongo? These two teams will compete for the right to enter the Video Zone and face that game wizard's challenge. Who will it be? Find out today on Nick Arcade. And now here's your host, a guy who always loves to keep his joystick in an upright position, Phil Moore. And then, of course, as he was running around, you know, there would be a face-off podium. Thank you, Andrea. Welcome to Nickelodeon Arcade, where your video savvy and video game skills are put to the ultimate test. It's a good time to actually talk about Fillmore in this case. When you're a kid growing up, here's this weirdo guy screaming at you, Welcome to Nick Arcade, your video savvy video dimensions are put to the ultimate test. And he is just very enthusiastic, very vibrant. And that's for good reason. Phil Moore at the time was a warm-up act at Nickelodeon Studios. So he would warm up the kids' crowds when Double Dare aired or with Guts or uh, even the sitcoms like Clarissa Explains It All when they had an audience on board. He would try and get the kids pumped. And he had this natural charisma about him that made him perfect to host a game show. Fillmore is one of those top-tier children's game shows, and I think we don't really give him that much credit, even though he has a very unique skill set to appeal to kids without coming across as fake. You see, that's a really tough skill. Talk to any kids entertainer in the UK, they usually blow it. Fillmore was perfect to captivate you. And you got to think, at the time, there really wasn't that many black game show hosts. Nipsey Russell hosted one show. Michael Carrington for Think Fast springs to mind, and Rob Edward Morris for, for Make the Grade. Like, that's it in terms of children's game show hosts who are black. And of the three, Phil's the best of them. Why? Because he exuded energy. The other two, they kind of 
played your Alex Trebek role in a wild game show, right? Or it's a trivia show and then the fire drill or Think Fast, which is all physical puzzles. Phil Moore, he knew how to excite the crowd. This is his best game show work because when I saw things like, when I see things like, oh, don't, oh. let's let's quickly delve into Euron. Yeah, so this show sucks because it's basically let's convince. It's basically uh, tr- uh, probably the same way of ga- a game show in my head. The premise was you had kids with hidden cameras trying to convince adults or kids to do stupid challenges with them. Uh, kind of like, hey, would you eat this bland yogurt? I don't know what it is. Okay. And the idea was that if the contestants, the couple with the hidden camera can get three acts done in the span of like 20 minutes they win a great prize but in studio phil moore brings in a bunch of kids and sometimes the adults to predict rather they can get one two or all three stunts achieved if they're correct they also win a really cool prize at the end of the show phil moore forces an adult to replicate one of those challenges or humiliates them in a hilarious way yeah, it sucked. It wasn't funny. Kind of was the dumbest thing I've ever seen on Nickelodeon television. It almost made me realize I'm a grown-up now and I don't have to watch this anymore, which is when I started watching Comedy Central. The final round's called the Big Runaround because everyone runs around in a circle. Runaround's also the name of a former game show that only lasted for one season by Meryl Quigley. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go back to Nickelodeon Arcade. So back to Nick Arcade. So I guess if you've never seen Nickelodeon Arcade before, I figure maybe you haven't. I don't know you. It, a lot of people don't watch game shows and they want to hear me talk about them. I don't know. That's weird. If you've never seen the show before, two teams of two kids have to go head-to-head to get the most points at the end of two rounds. The way to do that is by basically staying control of the board, similar to remote control. It, the very first thing they do in the game after they introduce Phil Moore and they have the teams is they bring in the first two of each pair to play a toss-up challenge, a face-off game. Whoever wins the face-off wins control of Mikey, the video game adventurer. Mikey looks like an Archie Comics character. Big head, big mouth, big thumbs up. He loves video games, loves riding his bike, sometimes playing sports, but boy, does the entire world have it out for Mikey because you have Game Over the Bully. You have a witch doctor, which may or may not be cultural appropriation. You have weird aliens that smooch him, and you have a pirate that goes, a hammerhead shark, and much, much more. Whoever gets control of Mikey is shown the start and the end goal and are always in a certain theme, such as sea, such as space, such as his neighborhood, such as the Wild West, with Billy the Kid, who looks like a little baby. As they, It's always played in two halves. It's two halves of the game. So you can move Mikey along this grid. It's usually like a two by eight or vertically or horizontally, depending on which round. One round's always vertically. One round's always horizontally as you move mikey you can move him up down left or right just like a video game wherever you move mikey is what you get and it's always one of the four p's as he says on the show points puzzles pop quizzes and prizes the fifth is of course video challenge but we'll get to that in just a bit what's the first thing you get points if you land on a square and it says points you get 25 bonus points in round two it's 50 bonus points. That's great. It's like you got a question correct for free. Uh, Puzzles is a video puzzle. This is what makes Nickelodeon Arcade very fascinating because what they did is they created different challenges based on what happens. Because this is my only episode of Nickelodeon Arcade, let me speed through them. You have Video Repairman. You got to identify an artist in a music video, but this 
picture is scrambly, kind of like you're watching softcore porn. What was that? There's an object that was destroyed, and they reverse it. So you're going to see something smashed up in a blender and then re-reversed or, or cut up or something. It's crazy. Credit call. You'll see credits replaying to a person, place, or thing, but it kind of looks like the end credits of a TV show. Fast forward, a vi speed up video clip is, and you have to basically using a magna doodle board uh, predict how many of the certain object is. Like we gave this person a minute to jump rope. How many jump ropes can they do in a minute? Robot vision, it looks like uh, Terminator 2. You have a heat vision, red blur, and they're looking in a room for a certain object. And there's clues on the certain corner, and you have to figure out what is the activity being done. Hyper channels is uh, TV style clips. Uh, trying to figure out an actor, a musician, uh, et cetera. So it's all video clues. Video text is a basic rebus puzzle, basically forming the phrase, but it's all videos. Uh, flash flame, a montage of images shown rapidly, and the object is recall three of the five objects. So here's a, it, it's basically like a snapshot kind of game. Hitting camera, a miniature video camera is placed somewhere, such as a trash can or grocery bag, and the object is guess where was the camera located? Uh... Then there's instant replay. Contestants will show a short video on the monitor, and then when it ended, they were asked a question of what they just saw. Precursor to seen it. Split screen. Images of an activity being performed initially arranged in a matrix of very small tiled images, so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mixed signals. Video images of one another will be placed on screen. You'll figure out what it is. So besides any of those video puzzles, because now I gave you points, video puzzles, pop quizzes is a question... Uh, related to the area Mikey was traveling. The teams would buzz in during the middle of the question. If they answered correctly, they get 25 points in round one, 50 in round two, and they get to control Mikey. In early episodes, the team in control of Mikey would get to choose one of four categories, but they got rid of it. So let me go through the zones. Pirate's Cove is a, is basically an old, kind of like a, like a pirate ship level. So everything will be themed around pirates and sea. Cape Cosmos is the space center, so it's everything astronomy and, and, and space. A Camelittle is a Camelot set, so things about uh, castles and knights and wizards. Specific Ocean is an underwater ocean level. The Forgotten Desert is an Egyptian temple kind of thing, looking with, with little pyramids and all that. Slurpy Gulch is a Wild West town with Billy the Kid. Volcano Jungle is a rainforest with a live volcano in a village nearby. Creepyville is a spooky mansion where a ghost shows up. And if you ever want to know what how I feel when I get jump scared, try and find when the boss of the ghost shows up and Mikey gets scared and runs away. That's me. Mikey's neighborhood looks like a neighborhood. He rides his bike. Uh, but there's a bully named Game Over. We got a mall, which is a shopping mall. Uh, in Mikey's neighborhood, Time Portal is a time-traveling zone, uh, which is the neighborhood of the past and the present, kind of like Marty McFly. If you're wondering, why is the kid's name Mikey? There's a lot of interpretations as to why, but one of the uh, main reasons that people like to say is that because Mikey, the video game adventurer, uh, looks like Mike Jones from Star Tropics from Nintendo Entertainment System, so the producers probably really love the game Star Tropics, and they wanted to theme the game around Star Tropics. Anyway, prize. If you get the other, the fourth P, the prize, you win a prize. So kind of like the points being a free point of 25 or 50 in prize, you win a prize no matter what happens. Prize is my favorite space on the board because it's a free prize. You, you got a bike no matter what. You want stereo no matter what. You win Nickelodeon Fair kind of game show prize. So congratulations, you won a camping gear. Congratulations, you won some board games. No matter what, you won a basketball hoop. Hell yeah, this is a great game show. You did nothing. You just said, move Mikey to the right. All right, let's move Mikey. Congratulations, you won a stereo. That's it. That was what the show is. And yes, so we got through all those. So if you, you the points, puzzles, puzzles, and prizes. If it was an enemy, uh, you would get like bull, like game over the bully. Hang over there, bean brain. And then you would be, it's basically like a lose a turn. Your control now goes over to the other team. So the red team could have been right, right, up, right, move over there, bean brain. Yellow team gets it. But on the occasion... 
if it's not points, puzzles, pop quizzes, or prizes, or the dread enemy, which makes them lose their turn, it's the one thing that everyone knows and loves. That's right. Video challenge. Video challenge is what people remember most about Nickelodeon Arcade. For good measure, it's a video game game show, and this is the video game part. So taking some elements from, say, classic game shows like Starcade, the video game challenge uh, is different. So in the first uh, season, it was called the Wizards Challenge because you got to beat the game wizard and they're game wizards. In season two, it was called the Expert Challenge. Uh, your object is to get a certain score within 30 seconds. For instance, you need 150 points in this level. You need 3,000 in Sonic the Hedgehog. One has to play the video game. The other one gets to gamble their score away. Kind of like a daily double on Jeopardy. So it could be as little as zero or all of it on one play of the video game. Of course, if they get it again, the video challenge, play reverses where one's the wagering, the other one has to play the video game. And all of these games, even though it's supposed to look like an arcade with the cabinet and the marquee explaining the game with the little premise, like here's Act Razor. And once again, let me explain all the games ever played on Nickelodeon Arcade. Gunnack, El Viento, King of the Monsters, Act Razor, Toki, both for NES and for, for uh, Genesis. Robo Army. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. More on that in just a bit. Parasol Stars. Battletoads. Yes, they played Battletoads. Stop asking. Joe and Mac. Ghost Pilots. Alpha Mission 2. Gears. Airbuster. Thunder Spirits. Super R-Type. Kickmaster. The Adams Family. Monster in My Pocket. Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Don't ever pick that game. Steel Empire, Shadow of the Beast, Marvel Land, Last Resort, Paperboy 2, Magician Lord, Arcus Odyssey, Kabuki Quantifier, which was my favorite one that they played, Blue's Journey, Chuck Rock, Bonk's Revenge, also a favorite, A Legend of the Mythical Ninja, Gradius 3, <sighs> Vapor Trail, Cyberlip, Psychosis, Dinoland, Thunder Force 3, Super Adventure Island, Hyperzone, Rockin' Cats, Soul Dece, Atomic Runner, Green Dog, The Beach Surfer Dude, Turrican, and finally Snow Brothers. It's any one of those five. Uh, play according to based on which one was picked on the show, who got the most licenses, etc., etc. They would get to gamble as little or as much of their points and have to beat the score. Of your 200 points, how much are you willing to wager? You get like a quick do, 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 And then we go straight to the game. You get to see for 30 seconds them trying to beat the challenge. If it's right, they get the score. Yay, yay, yay. We get keep playing. Uh, if not, well, we you lose those points. But no matter what happens, win or lose, you get the other thing that people love most about Nickelodeon Arcade. That's right, the dulcet tones of Phil Moore singing the video challenge theme and its alternate lyrics, adjust the score, and play some more. Yeah, let's do it. Adjust the score and play some more. They got the challenge they just won. Now let's talk about Sonic 2. All right, so now we go on to the Sonic 2 part of the show. So what makes this game very fascinating in the world of video games is you got to think this is the early 90s. And if you're thinking early 90s video games, you have to think of certain things. You can think of Doom. You can think of Quake. But when it comes to general platforming video games on a console, Sonic the Hedgehog was number one. That's the fever. It was the battle between Mario World and Sonic the Hedgehog. And Sonic the Hedgehog ran it there was video games jail white played it this is could be the entire sonic the hedgehog episode if we wanted it to but what makes this very fascinating was they were trying to push out sonic the hedgehog 2 they wanted to get some some buzz going with sonic the hedgehog 2 it wasn't a new game yet tails was non-existent none of the real characters that you know other than dr robotnik really were a thing however the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 got their first viewing, their first world premiere on Nickelodeon Arcade. 
And to make things even more weirder, it was during a Clarissa Explains It All special. Hey, hey, Melissa Joan Hart. Hey, uh, what was that guy who played Ferguson? I need you to collect 30 rings in 30 seconds. For many people, even if they never really watched Nickelodeon Arcade, they were buzzed by this exciting weird game show finally showing a new Sonic the Hedgehog because video games never really had that video appearance. I mean, GamePro TV, I don't think even started yet. There really wasn't a video game show. X-Play slash Extended Play slash GameSpot TV wasn't even a thing. Video game television, still a relatively new thing. Video power, I think, was just at the breaking point. But yes, the very first appearance of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was in Nickelodeon Arcade, which I love. Problem with Nickelodeon Arcade then comes with once we adjust the score and play some more, hey, where would you like to move Mikey if they had time up, down, because they want to get to the goal. Your object is to get to the goal at the end of the level, and it's usually like eight spaces. But sometimes then you, like right when you get the control, you want it, congratulations, you get the right to move Mikey. A pew, 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 pew. Oh, that sound means we're out of time for this round. we got to move Mikey straight to the goal. If you buzz in with the correct answer, you win the goal for round one and 50 points. In round two, it's worth 100 points. Whoever gets the most points wins the game. So in round two, which the points are double, I just basically explained the points are double in round two. 50 uh, for bonuses, and 100 for winning the goal. Uh, sometimes, because of those video challenges, it was clear like someone's going to win. Sometimes people gambled on a video challenge and they royally flopped. And they're, even if they win the goal in round two, it's not mathematically possible for them to win the game. So it it really becomes a weird gamble. Now, the fun thing is they play with magna doodles. <laughs> they were playing with magnet boards. It wasn't a whiteboard. It wasn't a piece of paper. It was a magna doodle, that $20 toy you had as a kid. But uh, in the odd times, when they get to the goal, uh, they would have to choose one of the categories uh, from their opponent. If they get it right, they win, uh, which I think was okay. I just think they should just go for one single question. They shouldn't do a category board on this because i think that slows the game down that slowed the game down with the uh questions as well uh and in the odd chance that i have to move mikey back one they had to do a time bomb challenge now this is something i have to bring up because not a lot of people know about the rules of nick arcade to bring up the time bomb sometimes you know you see move mikey up down left right now imagine you move mikey right and then you said actually let's move mikey to the left Either because you don't know what your left and right is, or some other reason for, for doing that, you would hit a time bomb, because where Mikey goes, he leaves a trail of bombs. If you move Mikey, you would have 10 seconds to spell a word, and you had to go back and forth with your partner. Uh, it If you Pong spelled the word correctly, you kept control, otherwise the other team would gain control. But there were no points awarded for this error. It really was for control. So it's like, I want you to spell school. S-C-H-O-O-L. You did it. And yes, I usually get infuriated because they never really reach the goal. Usually, most of the time when I watch Nickelodeon Arcade, the siren goes off. Let's move Mikey to the goal. Whoever gets this question gets 50 points in the goal for round one or 100 points in the goal for round two. And if they uh, still tied after that, another bonus question will be asked for 100 points. Whoever has the most points after the two rounds of play goes on to the video zone to beat today's game wizard. Wee, 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 wee. The runners up get some parting gifts plus whatever prizes they land on if they hit a prize. Some of the time, what I saw was that the, the, the team scored like four prizes in the main game. Like they were really lucky, but they didn't have enough points to go to the final round. And then the other team would royally screw up. And yep, that's what happens. And then they lose. Anyway, let's move on to the video zone. Video zone is really interesting because it follows i call it it follows the rule of when i first say it because this is when i first see it this is what i think it is and then sometimes it doesn't so uh there's three rooms backstage they're all painted blue like you're on a weather map and it's all blue 
and it's all la- like there's layers of sensors uh, where it is like this is where the coin is. This is where the enemies move. If it looks like this little pixel touches the player, okay, that means good. That means bad. Erase. Uh, race, and this was in real time, which is also technologically advanced for the time. So now let's move along. There's three rooms. Uh, I would like to say that even though I don't think this is truly what it is, I, I think this could be what it looks like. First room is always a staircase. It's a right-facing staircase with a little uh, second floor. Uh, they can move in any direction they want, but it's all blue, and they have to get three coins to move on to round two. The second room is the flat room. It really is just an overhead green screen, and they just have a top-down as they do something. Or, as they're facing just empty space, they have to pretend they're looking on the magic carpet or hanging on a train or something, and they have to duck or jump up. You know, basic connect movements before connect was a thing. And then when I get to level three, the game wizard, it was always the same stage. It was this massive two-step, two-story room with both players entering. And instead of getting coins, you had to get orbs. If you grabbed all three orbs, uh, you beat the game wizard of the time left and you win the grand prize. If you can't get it within the 60 seconds, uh, you get game over. (laughs) Well, that's okay. So let's go through every video zone. You have six seconds to clear all three levels. Each item you touch won you $50. Each level cleared also won you a prize. You uh, Successfully being the game wizard wins you the grand prize, which was usually a vacation, a trip to Universal Studios or Orlando. Uh, or Space Camp. You gotta think Space Camp. If time ran out of time before you complete a game, a laugh light sound played, and screen faded to red, and the words Game Over appeared on the screen. There was a health meter. If you hit an obstacle, uh, if an enemy hit you, you would lose an amount of power, you lose all your life, press start to continue, and you had to restart the level. So here it is, level one, Jungle Fever. I'm reading us straight off Wikipedia because this seems silly to me. <laughs> Someone really went out of there. Even I wouldn't go out of the effort to, to list all this. Jungle Fever, a jungle setting where the player climbed palm trees to obtain three br- bunches of bananas. These were all ladders, by the way. At the top while avoiding coconut throwing monkeys, as well as two cans, piranhas once seen the player was above the waterfall and snakes the player could go behind the waterfall or touch the golden idol to cause a rope to appear to help across the waterfall safety alien moon base an intergalactic mechanical building where the player had to turn off three antimatter reactors while trying to avoid steam vents and attacking robots touching the main computer would immobilize all enemies and hazards rendering them harmless for five seconds and would also activate a light bridge, which made the reactors easier to reach. So it's the same bridge. Uh, Ancient Tomb, a Mayan temple where the player had to grab three coins on both levels while trying to avoid bats, a statue's hammer, arrows shot from the gold round, fireballs, and a mummy. If you touch the magical sunbeam, a sunlight eradicates all enemies and locks all doors, revealing the hidden coins. In Season 2, Monsters on the Loose, a city designed by alien UFOs where now a giant player had to rescue three humans from being abducted by UFOs, while avoiding monsters such as a giant laser-firing eyeball, a slimy earth-burrowing creature, and a monstrous cockroach. Touching a player rod released cosmic radiation, clearing the screen of enemies, and thus leaving the player unhindered for a few seconds. In Haunted Museum, a haunted mansion scene. The player is required to pick up three statue busts hidden inside moving book- bookcases while avoiding monsters such as a gargoyle, grasping tentacles, a vampire, and the hand of doom. Pulling back a curtain, uh, bathe the room in sunlight, destroying all enemies and thus leaving the player unhindered for a few seconds. In round two, which I call is the flat room. Run on a rail car. A player traveled on a rail car through a wild west town and abandoned mines. Here she had to obtain three coins while avoiding vultures, hanging timbers, cactuses, tumbleweeds, and rats. If the player touched a green luxcone, here she regained full power. This only happened in season one. Nile raft, uh, Nile River raft. The player floating on a fast-moving Egyptian river with a wooden raft had to grab three gems while avoiding flies, alligators, rats, vultures, and a mummy. 
Touching the legendary Eye of the Pharaoh, Diamond restored full power. Mind Maze, a mine room gauntlet where the player had to collect three coins while dodging fireballs, spears, and electrified floor tiles. If the player touched a power tile here, she granted immunity for all damage for a few seconds. Cliffhanger. Taking place on the cliff with a network of caves, the player had to clear the cave paintings to find three coins while avoiding falling rock slides, snakes, folgers, and giant lizards. If you touch the magical TNT device blasting on the cave openings, you reveal all the coins. So it's kind of like Crash Bandicoot. Food Fight, a school lunchroom setting where a food fight was taking place. The player had to grab three textbooks scattered on the floor while avoiding flying food and the gym coach. Opening a locker with stinky gym shoes stopped the chaos for five seconds. Subsearch, uh, ocean scene with a player in a wave runner. The player had to collect three treasure chests while avoiding dangers such as sharks, eels, giant lobsters, massive mines, and squids. If you touched a nuclear power cell, you restored all power. Enchanted Flight, a magic carpet scene where the player had to grab three rings while avoiding swordsmen, gate traps, cobras, a royal guard, baby, dragon, guard dogs, and a genie that shot lightning bolts. The same genie from the Forgotten Desert in Mikey's World. Touching a magic lap restored the player's health. Snow Slingers, an arctic scene where the player had to hit three elves with snowballs while dodging those in the elves. The player also had to avoid skiing foxes, a hitting ice polar bear by mistake. Hitting a snowman may have play along to force the elves to stop attacking and dance in place for five seconds, making each one easier to hit. But no matter what happens, final third, that level three, that final round is the wizard. Both players are now sharing one energy gauge. They're teamed up for the last level, which is a face-off against one of those three game wizards that rotates throughout the show's run. An evil wizard, Murloc, which had lightning bolts. A fire-throwing sorceress named Scorcha, or the armor-clad monster, Mongo, who tossed balls of energy. To defeat them, the player had to touch just three orbs before the remaining time expired, while trying to avoid the game wizard and the projectiles they were throwing. The ghostly creatures flying around the room and the beams of lightning, fire, or energy depending on who the wizard was that erupted from the ground. If either player touched a spinning hourglass, it randomly appeared all enemies and hazards will be immobilized and rendered harmless for five seconds upon the wizard's defeat if the player succeeded depending on who the players face murdoch would disintegrate to a pile of dust scorcia would turn to a p pile of ashes and blow away and mongo would vanish into a flash of light leaving only an armor behind the message you did it you beat the game would appear across the screen there's one episode when the team won the grand prize and they where they defeated the wizard the screen turned to red and the words game over appeared on the screen but that's usually what happens when you lose in Season 1, the Wizards had nearly identical rooms with only different color schemes. In Season 2, uh, depending on the Wizard, with Murloc, Purple, Scorcha, Red, Orange, Mongo, Green. In Season 2, the mechanics were the same as before, but each Wizard was having a more customized room to better fit their theme. Murloc's lair had bubble-like objects. Scorcha's lair had crystals. Mongo's lair was a frosty snow cave. Um, noble celebrities include Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone from NSYNC was a contestant on Nickelodeon Arcade. Before we get to uh, the big reboot section of the show, I want to talk about my favorite moment on Nickelodeon Arcade, uh, one that became a quote-unquote epic fail, uh, and that is because of a, a team, Jed and Nadine. Now, Jed is a really good gamer. Like He won a, every video challenge. Nadine is a quiet girl who got a few trivia questions right, but clearly does not know what's going on. In the final round, Nadine gets to start the, the bonus round. If Nadine completes level one, Jed does level two. If Jed completes level two, they both go to the wizard. Uh, Nadine is in the little temple room with the object of getting the three coins while avoiding the enemies. She's trying to... Remember, she's in a blue screen. She doesn't really see what's in front of her, so she has to keep looking at the screen, find the start button, and wave her hand to hit the start button to start the challenge. If she gets a, if she loses, she ha she has to restart from the beginning and find the start button and redo everything. In this amazing moment, Nadine is probably the only contestant I can ever think of in Nick Arcade that couldn't complete level one. She couldn't get the coins. She couldn't figure out where the coins were. She took her time on the stairs and she ran the time out. That Jen never even got the chance to do level two and. While this is a audio podcast, not a video podcast, uh, Jed was probably was pissed. You can tell he was angry. He couldn't get to level two. But the the thing that I wanted to bring up in this, 
is you just have to assume, just like visualize this kid who can't see anything, just waving her hands in the air and just wandering back and forth, looking completely lost. But why I want to put it in this podcast is because Phil Moore's commentary during this is something that has to be heard <laughs> to really believe what makes the show very magical and special. So take it away, Mr. Phil Moore. All right, start us with hit. All right, she got hit in the head by the idol, took away one of her power units. She's staying low of the fire in the bats. Good move. Ooh, got hit in the head with fire. Ooh, got hit again. She froze everything. Everything is destroyed. Now it's just a cakewalk. All she has to do is run and touch the coins. Touch the coins, Nadine. Nadine, touch the coins. You're down to run back up and touch the coin. You haven't gotten it. Hurry up. You're running out of time. One, now hit down the stairs and grab the two. Turn around and hit down the stairs. You're down to 30 seconds. Come on now, Nadine. Faster. She's doing a great job. Everything is frozen. Head across. Head across. Head across. Hit it. Hit it. Go back and hit start again. You're down to 15 seconds. You have to hit start, Nadine. Hit start. All right, we're down to 10 seconds. She's going to have to try to get the coins all over again. We're down to six seconds. Got one. All right, hey, that is it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ran into a little trouble there in the two, but that is all right. They got the rap keyboard, and they have the basketball goal from round one. Just simply put, magical amazingly magical now there's always been talks to reboot nickelodeon arcade and rightfully so it video games have modernized about 30 years from now it's now the year 2020 virtual reality is now a real thing uh the technology was there and phil moore even wanted to create a new nick arcade reboot with the creators of the show and it was called nth level and they tried to raise a quarter million dollars on kickstarter and it flopped bad news it flopped so it didn't really get the money uh however their proposal was all virtual reality and it was kind of a cool idea and now when you think about it a lot of nick arcade uh kids kind of are the modern day let's players of today which is also a nice fascinating look into the world of games so when it comes to how do you reboot nickelodeon arcade I mean, you could take a whole lot of different approaches to this. I think the problem is a lot of kids forget that Nickelodeon Arcade, as much as had video games, also had a trivia component in addition to the video puzzles. If I was to pitch a rebooted version of Nick Arcade, oh, it would be a little crazy, but a lot of fun. So here is my proposal of Nick Arcade. For me, for host, as much as I love Phil Moore, and I think he would be great as a consultant for the show. You've got to get him as a producer. My choice would be Austin Creed. Uh, you might know him as Xavier Woods in WWE. He's a massive gamer. He has up, up, down, down. Uh, it's something he kind of proposed wanting to do besides working at G4. Uh, I would pick him in a heartbeat to be the new face of Nick Arcade. I think that it, that's a dude who I love and want to see work in this video game game show. Because I think he's the perfect face and voice for this and you keep it nearly the same as it was i say nearly because video games have changed clearly in the early 90s a lot of games had scoring mechanisms but today's games they're battle royales they're driving games they're fighting games there's not really uh, the, the games aren't really e for everyone shall we say uh which makes it a little challenging also, technology has kind of advanced in a way that uh, you're, you're, if you're going to like play games, you're just going to put them on like five separate PCs, and that's that's okay too. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's I could see like, hey, your job is to because uh, it's Nickelodeon Arcade, uh, play SpongeBob Bikini Bottom and get to this in thirty seconds. That doesn't seem like fun or fair. However. I was thinking in the back of my head, well, there are games that do have a scoring mechanism. However, you don't really see them in modern like console games or PC games. You do, however, see them in VR games, Oculus Rift games. What I'm trying to get at is if I was to do Nick Arcade with Austin Creed, 
I would make the Video Zone VR games almost exclusively VR games. So you're playing Beat Saber. You're I don't know if you want to play Super Hot. That's a little too gory, but it, it might serve its purpose. Uh, but something where you have the controllers and it's like you got to make three orders in 30 seconds you got to hit one you got to hit 20 notes in 30 seconds you got to do this in 30 seconds the same 30 second challenges but this time around whoever's the gamer has to put the helmet on it so they're in vr and they have to calibrate it before they do the challenge and we all get to see it of course you would do like an ipad now with the scoring mechanic so it's like a tablet they get to write down the scoring because computers, computers have progressed over the years. Obviously, I would make the face-off not a VR game, but a tablet challenge kind of game. So something that's like a Candy Crush bootleg, a match three kind of challenge would be what determines round one. Uh, even though I think that might be a little boring, it, it feels like that is the right approach. You have all four people playing a game and that determines who goes into the VR. And then you modernize the Mikey to make it more CGI 3D. And then you update it. So it's still the points, prizes, pop quizzes, and prizes. But it's now on a, a cooler, sleek, almost virtual esports kind of looking set in virtual board. I know arcade, you want to make it look like an old arcade. But I think it needs to look like what is the modern day arcade, which is a LAN party kind of zone where you see esports team practice. That's what I think it needs to look like with the winner going into the video game to beat the game wizard exactly like the original version with the three rounds and three different sets. But this time around, because technology has evolved, you can actually try and do physical props. So maybe you can make it almost like a double their obstacle course in trying to get the challenges. Uh, you don't even have to have enemies keep hitting the opponent. You can make it almost like Super Mario World uh, in a way that makes the CG really cool. And you make it so it's the same thing. You cut to the level, you beat the game wizard, you win. And of course you keep it so there's still really cool prizes. But now Austin Creed's doing the commentary. And I think that might be where you go about it. Honestly, if I had to pick, I think Austin Creed's probably better fit for like an arena show. But I've heard he really wants to do Nick Arcade, so let's just put him in this. Because what this show needs is to be up to date in its technology, in its video game selection... It needs to figure uh, how to handle video games for kids in a way that it's kind of, well, I never really played a VR game before, but I can figure this out in 30 seconds. Even if it, you have to create your own unique original challenges and sell it in a bundle, it's whatever. Make an archery game, you have to score 100 points in, in 30 seconds. I don't, any of those would work as a challenge. But the key to make it work is you've got to celebrate video games and make it themed around video games, but in a way that even if you don't really know much about video games, you could still watch the show and understand what's going on. That is the appeal to Nickelodeon Arcade. I know it's not really what every gamer wants to hear because it's the gamer's game show, but you only get to see at most five video games in addition to a toss-up, which is six and seven. So seven games. And even then, there's 30 seconds. So of the 22-minute show, three minutes are most likely spent on video games. Everything else is a visual puzzle, a clue, move Mikey right, do, 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 do. That's it. So if you're going to modernize it, keep that spirit alive, but take it to the next level. Take it to that big level of VR games. Take it to that world where you know the future is of video games is here and this is the show that shows it off and kids can answer uh questions about space again i don't care to talk about post haste or battle of the bank they're just pong it's just pong or or just jump that's it i don't th those aren't really interesting games to talk about but that, that's where i'm going with this is just you have to take this to a technologically advanced game that's what is the appeal to nick arcade it's rewarding kids uh, with video games for answering school-level questions uh, in, a, in a tribute to video games in a way that's very engaging. That is it for the Nickelodeon Arcade Special, one of my favorite games of all time. Thank you so much for stopping, but thank you so much for donating to my Patreon. And uh, to sign off, we're going to play the 
other version of the Nickelodeon arcade theme as the closing theme. So good night and big smooch. Mwah!